TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know that's what it was called, but look at me. That's my first movie reference caught in 2019. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a big day for me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jake DePew is our special guest today on the Touch Em All podcast. Notice I said special this time. Jake, how are you? I, I'm outraged, Derek. How are you? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been outraged, but uh, I, I guess I'm fine. What what has you outraged today? I don't know. I just It's the internet, so I just figured it'd be a good way to start. <laughs> You're like, I'm like all of you. I'm also very mad about <laughs> anything. Yes, exactly. Uh, I actually I, am outraged about lots of things, but nothing twins related. Oh, so. okay. Maybe that's another podcast for another yeah. time. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I've got some Nelson Cruz talkers for you. We just yesterday we had the Nelson Cruz conference call. Uh, they made the forty man move. We can talk about your guy Aaron Sliggers a little bit, who was DFA'd today to make room for Nelson Cruz. And then I've I guess I just have a couple of things that stuck out to me on the conference call. And the first of which is this leadership element that you've talked about uh, in the past, Jake, with a guy like Cruz coming in and setting an example at 37, 38 years old. Uh, who are some of the players? Miguel Sanel the obvious one. Who are some of the ones that you're looking for to uh, sort of, I don't, I don't even know if this is the right way to put it, but that Nelson Cruz's presence can elevate their game? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I guess it's hard to know. I've never met Nelson Cruz, so I, you know, I would, I would really just be guessing. Um, but, you know, I mean, Eddie Rosario, I guess, Eddie Rosario was, as you've mentioned in the past on this podcast, was great the first three months and then sort of resorted back to bad Eddie Rosario the last couple months of the season. And it's possible some of that was because he was hurt. Um, I mean, he definitely was hurt in the second half. But, you know, if, if um, you know, if Nelson Cruz could work with Rosario on maybe refining his plate discipline things like that. I've read a lot of good things about Cruz just in terms of how he studies pitchers and how he prepares. Um, so, you know, maybe he could, he could help Rosario, uh, to some extent. Um, you know, Kepler's issue, it's, it's just, it's hard to say with Kepler. I mean, I think, I don't know why Max Kepler isn't better than he is. Um, so, you know, he's another guy that, that potentially Cruz could help. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but I think Miguel Sano is, is kind of the obvious one. Sure. Uh, just because it, it, they have, I, I think, a pre-existing relationship. They're both from the DR, um, so I feel like that that'll be a natural fit. You know, I was hoping Adrian Beltre would come, yeah, Minnesota, because I think he would have been a great mentor for Sano. But I, I think Cruz is maybe not quite on the Beltre level, but but certainly pretty close and, and very respected within the game. Here's a quote that Bad Levine gave us on the conference call about Cruz. He said, "What he brings to the table is so much more than." He said that, but he meant like performance, stats, on-field performance. He continued to say, we did prioritize this type of offensive production, and we did try to prioritize this type of quality of character and leadership. And I think that's what excites us most about signing Nelson Cruz. Later he said, quote, um, 
You're talking about a character of an individual which transcends what he does on the field, and what he does on the field is pretty prolific, end quote. And I, I think that kind of, if you're looking for one sentence to sum up why the Twins signed Nelson Cruz, I think Thad Levine, no surprise, gave it to us in uh, eloquent fashion there. Yeah, definitely. I also think it's it's interesting how subjective getting busted for for PEDs is. Right? Yes. Like with some guys, we just absolutely crucify them. Yes. And with others, it's like a total non-issue. I mean, Nelson Nelson Cruz got busted and he right. missed fifty games um, back in I think like two thousand twelve, um, and and yet he's seen as as this great leader and somebody that that players should should look up to. And and I'm sure that that's true. And if I was in the majors. I would probably use PEDs, right, and like risk it, um, which is a whole separate conversation. But I guess my you might point need is that it, Jake. You might need it just to get there. Oh, I would definitely need it. I would need heavy <laughs> doses of the cream and the clear. Yes. Um, but I totally understand why guys do it. I'm not judging them, um, and like I said, I would probably do it too. But it's just interesting that he's this guy that got busted, and yet we see him as this. This you know just figure that that everyone looks up to. Sure. Um, so yeah, but I, but but again, I, I don't doubt that it's true, and he owned up to it, which I respect a lot about him. He That's didn't huge. deny it in you know the way that like Ryan Braun and others have done. Um, he admitted to doing it, said he made a mistake, and you know he was recovering from I think some sort of stomach uh, bacterial infection is Something what I read. Like that. Yeah, uh, and that was that was why he took it. So um, I don't fault him for that at all. But but he did own up to it and. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think he's going to be a big presence in that clubhouse. And yes, it's a it's a one year deal with the club option, so he might only be there for one year. But it's a lot different than bringing in somebody like Lance Lynn for a one year deal. Who I I think Derek, you would agree with me that he didn't provide a lot of leadership and stability uh, in that clubhouse. That would be fair to say. And on the PEDs point, then maybe a you know a guiding figure for a guy like Jorge Polanco too, who got popped last spring, right? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Um, I do think it'll be interesting, you know, if I go to spring training, my first question to Cruz is, is going to be, you know, a lot of people see you as the clubhouse leader and, and you know, great player. And, uh, you know, I've always seen you as someone who blew the World Series and was busted for peds. How do wow. you respond to that? Wow. You are bringing the fastballs. Uh, luckily for Cruz, he's made a career of still catching up to fastballs in his late 30s. So I think yes. he'd be able to handle that one just fine. And I, I think he would he would catch up to that one and, and take me deep as <laughs> I would deserve to be taken if I actually asked something sure, like that. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, well, don't forget David Free's World Series hero. But I yes, think... and he did not blow the World Series. That was a tough ball. Yeah. So here's the way I think about it. We are going to spend a lot of time on podcasts and in columns and in spring training preview ebooks talking about Nelson Cruz's leadership and if he can just get, you know, 30% more out of Miguel Sano, he's he's worth the money without his performance. I had somebody on my Facebook page, Jake, go so far as to say uh, you know, good sign I like the Nelson Cruz signing. It is exclusively for leadership. I I'm paraphrasing a little bit, so forgive me, follower. But it was something like he's brought in for leadership. If he corrects Sano, he wins. And if he gives you anything on the field, it's gravy. And I got to push back on that because we're going to talk about this. It's on podcasts. It's a talker. It's great. And it's part of the reason, by their own admission, that the Twins leadership made this decision to pursue Nelson Cruz and ultimately outbid the Astros and the Rays to get his services. But – 
you don't make that move if he's not also exceptionally productive on the field. So and we can talk about aging and that kind of thing. We'll probably get into that later in this podcast, Jake. But Nelson Cruz is a productive hitter. He hit, uh, let's see, I got his fan graphs page up, 256 with a 342 on base last year and a 509 slugging. That's with his 37 home runs. I, I think that's something that's somehow getting overlooked. The Twins just signed a good hitter, a good player, who as a bonus, in my opinion, also has that good character, good leadership traits. They don't don't overlook the fact that they just got their cleanup hitter. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's a, he's a legitimate hitter. I mean, he his last four years or five years uh, have been exceptional, and I think he's been an All Star what four or five times. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one of the what two or three best DHs in the league, top DHs in the league for sure. Got to be on um, that short list. Th- yeah, the Twins were twenty third in home runs, I think, last year, and. Um, I mean, he's hit along with Scope and Crone. I mean, those guys are going to help a lot. But but Nelson Cruz is absolutely the best hitter in the lineup. So to say that, you know, he's just there to babysit Miguel Sano and, you know, if he hits 25 bombs and that's just icing on the cake, that's totally inaccurate. Like, it, it is a great signing for the, for the clubhouse uh, element because, as we've been talking about, um, despite my jabs, which were obviously in jest, I think he is a, a great clubhouse guy. But... Yeah, I mean, he's going to produce on the field, and that's what he's being paid to do first and foremost. And I would expect him uh, to to finish the year, certainly leading the team in home runs if he's healthy, and hmm. probably be their, their best overall hitter. Hmm. Um, and, you know, he just lengthens the lineup so much, right? I mean, it, it, to, to put him in the three or four hole and potentially have Sano hitting five or six and, you know, Kepler hitting at the bottom of the lineup, yeah. I mean... It, if Scott, I'll say this: if if we assume that Cruz has a typical Nelson Cruz year, right, and you know CJ Crone hits some homers, is you know just okay on defense, whatever. Um, but if Cruz just has a typical year, but Scope bounces back and does something comparable to, to 2017, they're going to have the best lineup in the in the AL Central, and I would argue one of the better lineups in the American League. Um, so I think a lot of it actually kind of hinges on what Scope does because. Cruz is so consistent, and so we have to assume he's going to have another really strong year, even though he is 38. And so if Scope can get back to form, I think they they are really looking strong offensively. Mm, Well, so much of it depends on Buxton, depends on Sano, depends on do you get first half Rosario, and then also Cleveland. I mean, do they, uh, let's see, Lindor, Ramirez, they're losing Brantley. I guess that's a big blow for them. Um and I'd have to look around too. I don't know. Uh, the White Sox going to have a good lineup this year? I guess not. I guess. I well, guess they will if they sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Sure. So, and there you go. Uh, Jonathan Scope bounce back suddenly means much less in the grand scheme of things. Uh, in in the Central, anyways. But I'm kind of I'm kind of fascinated by this part because like so much is made of. And I'll I'll make fun of myself here. I make fun is maybe too strong, but you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, C.J. Crone claimed on waivers. Jonathan Scope uh, stolen from the Brewers if if he is going to actually bounce back. The fact that they wouldn't pay him that arbitration and the Twins went bargain hunting and got a, a, a really strong bounce back candidate in my mind. Okay, that's two power guys. And then Nelson freaking Cruz hit 37 bombs last year at the you know sprightly young age of 37. And so I asked Eric Falvey yesterday on the conference call, I said, is that a... Uh, 
You and I, Jake, have talked in the past, both on podcasts and just uh, on the phone, about the sort of lack of on-base threats that the Twins have and why that's maybe a little concerning right now. Um, but they have power. There's no arguing that they've got some power. Yeah, you lose Brian Dozier, but he had a bad year anyways, and you're adding in C.J. Crone, you know, 30-homer power. Jonathan Scope, who might have similar, you know, close to that if he's the guy that we think he could be. And then even with age-related decline factored in, would it be crazy to think Cruz hits 30 home runs this year? No way. So I asked Falvey, I said, is this a concerted effort that you guys are basically just kind of hoarding power hitters? And I kind of, I don't think I asked the question very eloquently. You might be surprised to hear that. But I said something along the lines of, uh, are you are you strategically addressing power? And what I meant was like in favor of, in lieu of on base guys, like is is power more important to you? Was I guess what I was should have asked, but he said no. You look at the positions that we had clear openings at first base, second base, DH. Those are typically power positions. Basically, any way we went to go. I mean, I'm paraphrasing for Mister Falvey, but any way the Twins went to go address that, they would have wound up with some power numbers in the lineup. So it wasn't. It wasn't like this concerted thing. But then, here's the interesting part, long way of getting to my point. Rocco Baldelli jumped in after Falvey finished his answer and said, if he could add one thing on, it's that you might think about some guys as prototypical power hitters. Um, And just to use Twins examples, you might be thinking Miguel Sano of recent years. You might be thinking of Tyler Austin, guys like that. Cruz is different, Baldelli said. Cruz is a great hitter who constantly has these good at-bats, who is a complete package, you know, offensively. He'll draw some walks, uh, not a not a stunning walk rate, but uh, last year is like 9%, 9-plus percent. He, he draws his walks, he gets hits all over the field, and while that can be some cliched nonsense, in this case, I mean... He did back it up with a 342 on base the year before that, 375 on base the year before that, 360 on base. This guy's not just a I'll sit back and try to hit my 35 homers and whatever happens happens. He is straight up. He is both. He is going to be an on base threat for the Twins, and he might also hit 30 homers. So, uh, yeah, to my earlier point on they might have just found their cleanup hitter, or they might have found their number three hitter for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And just just as a quick aside to make you feel better about uh, your Falvey question, when I <laughs> got him in in Boston, uh, I was I was excited that I I managed to get him in like a, a hallway in the back of the the press box, and I couldn't get the I was interviewing him on my iPhone, and I couldn't get the like voice memo thing to work. Oh no! And I was like trying not to freak out, and he literally said to me, "Calm down, you'll get it. Everything's gonna be okay." <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I swear that, that that was the interaction that we had. Oh no! Uh, that that was a low point. Yeah. Derek Alvey telling me to calm down <laughs> as I stumble with my shaking hands trying to get my phone to work. That's funny. Uh, well, you realize these guys are just guys, you know? Right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, I actually I appreciated that about him. And I, yes. I, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. I mean, I, I CJ Crone is more of a just you know swing for the fences, yes. just try to hit a home run every time. He'll As was probably, Logan Morrison, by the way. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Crone is a better hitter than Morrison. I, I, his numbers, I guess, are probably comparable career-wise. I have more confidence that C.J. Crone 
is not going to lay an egg the way Morrison did. Okay. Um, but, he, but he is more of that just – you're right. I mean he's more of just in that Morrison mold of just um, trying to hit a home run every time. But yeah, Cruz is, Cruz is a hitter. Like you were, like you were saying and like Valdelli was saying, he's not just a, a power hitter. He's a hitter who hits for power. But he, you're right. He draws walks. He goes to the opposite field. I mean he's a legit – threat he's an elite hitter and it, it was a big time signing for the twins and they needed it badly because i was not impressed with their offseason uh up until that point but signing a guy like him uh changes the outlook significantly are you opinion. worried as i am looking at the woba leaderboard for fan graphs i'll give you the high point real quick uh mookie Betts, uh your guy in boston led the american <laughs> league with a 449 weighted on base average followed very closely from some other terrific hitters, Mike Trout, J.D. Martinez, Alex Bregman, Jose Ramirez rounds out the top five. Nelson Cruz finished 14th in all of the American League. Here are the guys that surround him. Miguel Andujar. Aaron, uh, Andujar is just one above Cruz at 13. Cruz finished 14th uh, with a 361 Woba. Um, let's see. Aaron Hicks is immediately behind him, and behind him, Giancarlo Stanton. So... Like that's some pretty darn good company. That is that is the plus side. Uh, weighted on base average. Uh, of course, our listeners will be familiar with it because I explained it to Roycey a couple of weeks ago. That it it does give more, a little more credit to being an on base threat than it does to being a power threat. But it's trying to get at the root of what every offensive stat is. How good are you at creating runs for your team? So Nelson Cruz is very good at creating runs for his team. That being said. This July, Nelson Cruz turns 38 years old, and uh, I believe he will soon be eligible to start drawing uh, Social Security if if the <laughs> rules don't change. But my 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 question to you is, Jake, are you concerned that the Twins just signed a slugger who's yes put up some good numbers, but whose best days have to almost certainly be behind him? No, but I I am concerned about the Social Security system in our mm. country and where it's headed. Well, save uh, your money, I guess. Yeah, no. Um, of course, I mean that's always a concern with, with somebody as old as uh, as Cruz, and you know I think everybody just kind of keeps waiting. Like, when is the the, the drop off the cliff going to happen? Um, it, he just hasn't shown it yet. I mean, I will say his 2018, while still extremely good, was his worst year among the the previous I think four or five. Um, but but still an excellent year. So yeah, I mean that's always a concern. You're taking a risk when you sign a 38 year old for sure. Um, but I have read you know some stuff about him and and he apparently is um, you know really dedicated to having to, to being on like a strict diet and does a ton of work in the weight room and you can tell that just by looking at his body. He's yoked. Um, and 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 yeah and and just understands that yes he's ancient in terms of major league a major league baseball player and for him to stay relevant and to keep getting paid he needs to take care of himself and, and he, he seems to have a really good grasp of that and um and it's working so yeah it's a concern but they signed him for essentially a one-year deal right, right. <laughs> you know so worst case scenario he he bombs kind of the way morrison did and you know they flip him if they're out of you know if he bombs that means there's a pretty good chance they're not in contention um unless you know sano and buxton and others bounce back but you know if 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 cruz has you know 12 home runs and is hitting 220 at the at the trade deadline that's 
not a good sign for the Twins, in which case you could flip him for some marginal prospect and whatever. But I think the more likely scenario is he puts up another really good year. Um, and, you know, even if it's only, say, a 460 or 480 slugging instead of 530 or 540, uh, you're, you're then making a decision in the offseason, do we want to pick up the club option? Yeah. Rather than, you know, just flipping him at the, at the deadline for marginal prospects. So this is a long-winded way, um, and I think not a very uh, eloquent way of saying, yes, it's a concern, but I just his track record suggests that he probably has another year or two in him at least, sure. and it was a, a smart gamble for the Twins. And if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world because it's a one-year deal. Right. Well, classic, uh, classic deal for the economist Derek Falvey, uh, which I, I hope catches on. I hope people just start calling him the economist eventually. Um, because it gives the Twins an ejector button. It gives every deal they did last year, with the exception of Addison Reed, had a uh, an oopsie button. If if this goes horribly wrong, we're protected from the downside. If this goes well, we get to reap the rewards of the upside. Fernando Rodney. I mean, Zach Duke was a one year deal, so that's sort sort of different. Lance Lynn, obviously. Logan Morrison. There was a buyout. It's a very calculated thing that they're doing. Even Jonathan Scope, they're making a bet on a bounce-back player, but worst-case scenario from their perspective, he can't hamstring you financially. It's just, oh, if he has a bad year, then he's a free agent and he's somebody else's problem. The the Derek Falvey twins have been very, very calculated in not handing out contracts that... Uh, preclude you from doing anything else. They just always seem to have an ejector button. Um, here's why that's important. I was doing a little digging on your favorite website, Jake, uh, B-Ref, this morning. Yes. Baseball-reference.com. And... Let me just say real quick, when I'm, like, anxious or worried about something, I literally just go on Baseball Reference yes. and look at I'm, That's not even a joke. No, I, I believe like, it. So I, I know how that goes. In fact, if you're looking for some... Uh, soothing art today. Uh, Jeff Sullivan wrote, uh, Williams Astadio is an MVP candidate on Fangraphs.com if you're looking for some some art. He's talking about the Venezuelan Winter League, but I think the point Uh, still resonates, and I think that that is a uh, very clicky headline, so so good job. Yes, yes. Here's why the ejector button... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I I was literally saying continue with your point because I interrupted you. (laughs) You're good, man. You're good. So, okay, (laughs) here's why the the ejector button is important. And for me, I I, I hate looking at things like this because I've – I've uh, as I've aged, I've matured a little bit in saying like it's kind of gross to me that we celebrate that players are getting ripped off by these teams that are just getting wealthy off their backs. But if you root for the laundry, if you root for the Twins – I can see why it would be a benefit to be like, yeah, we don't want Jonathan Scope to break our back financially. Uh, okay, so with all that being said, in that I don't like that the Twins are going to, you know, there's basically no way to lose this contract, which, flip it on its head, there's pretty low probability that Nelson Cruz, quote-unquote, wins this contract. Um, and I, I tried to root for players in those economic uh, disputes. But 2018... There, there are not very many old players in baseball anymore. There are certainly not very many bat-first power hitters in baseball anymore. Uh, last season, the number of players who hit ten or more home runs—oh, I'm, yeah, ten or more home runs 
and were age 37 or older, so Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz led that list, uh, you might be surprised to learn, of 37 and older, with 37 homers. Number two on that list, should I have you guess, or do you just want me to tell you the old guys who still hit dingers? Oh, man. I'm going to put you on the spot. 37 or older, number two on that list. Wow. Uh, He can't really even walk anymore. What? Sorry, what did you say? This guy can't really walk that well, so he just hits it over the fence and then kind of limps to first base at Angel Stadium. Oh, at Angel – oh, Pujols. Yeah, Albert Pujols is number two with 19 homers. Number three is your guy who has retired from baseball and is the uh, Latin hit king. Beltre, yes. Adrian Beltre with 15 homers. After that, Joey Bats, 13 homers last year in partial season. Number five on that list, Curtis Granderson, also with 13 homers, and that's it. That is the Wait, whole Bel- list. Beltran retired after 2017, right? Yeah, I don't think he played last year. Yeah, no, I just blurted that out, and then I realized that he didn't even play last year. Yeah, so good cover. Not- yeah, no, so the guys that you just listed are low-war players. Yes. Pretty- Pretty much exclusively, right? I mean, other than Cruz... How did Beltre finish last season? I, I don't Beltre. know. Yes, Bel- Beltre is still a solid player. Yes. So you're talking about guys who are contemplating retirement every year and um, Nelson Cruz, right? basically. Right. I mean, that's your list. And so I even stretched this out further just to prove the point. So just to hammer this home, five guys last year were 37 or older and hit at least 10 home runs. It's not a. It's a, it's a very exclusive club. There are not very many members. Um, then I went back to 1990 on B-Ref and said, okay, so who who's hit 37 home runs at the age of 37 or later? And I don't know wow. if I want to make you guess at this list, but it does get kind of fun um, in how short it is. Uh, okay, so, so the criteria is 37 home runs at 37 or later, and you went back to what year? 1990. Uh, so you've got all of the 90s, all of the 2000s, and really only one guy's done it in the past couple of years, and you'd know him quite well. Uh, well, how, how old was Bonds when he retired? Yep, Bonds is on this list twice. <clears throat> uh, Tommy? Tommy is not on this list. What? Yet that year in 2000. Uh, oh, you're right, because he, he only played like – that that great year with the Twins, he only hit 25 because he played like 100 games. Exactly right. It was a lot of a lot of pinch hitting and a lot of DH. And this helps prove the point, by the way. I'll just put a pin in that list and we'll come back to it. That we all remember that as a great season for an aging slugger, future Hall of Famer um, in the in the power department. And think, wow, this is incredible that this guy at almost 40 is still doing this. He had 25 home runs. It's is a is a Rod on that list. A-Rod is not on the list. Um, I've got, let's see. So Barry Bonds twice. Yeah. Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. One guy did it in Boston. He did it two different times. Oh, or th- right. How could I forget? Bob? David Ortiz. Uh, and then uh, Rafi Palmero also did it once. So that's the did, list. Did you know that David Ortiz used to be on the Twins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had seen, uh, yes, yeah, some rumor about that at yeah. one point. Yeah, I, I just learned that recently. Somebody was outraged about it actually very recently. Uh, yes, You'd yes, be surprised exactly. to hear that. So it, it, my point is just this. Nelson Cruz, good hitter, makes the Twins better, deepens the lineup, adds power. 
temper yep. our expectations for what this guy will bring at age 38 years old is all I'm saying that it's a one-year deal. They could maybe turn it into a two-year deal, and the leadership is going to be a nice bonus. But you're, you're basically signing this guy, betting on him continuing to defy uh, conventional aging curves. And, I mean, it's a risky gamble for the Twins, but as I just sort of outlined, it's it's not that risky because they just put a big eject button on the contract. Yeah, exactly. And and again, when you combine it with what he brings in the clubhouse, it's it's a fantastic signing. If you look at what they've done in that clubhouse, because I, I think they realized that they had a that they screwed up a little bit in terms of the personalities that maybe they brought in. Although that I think that's a little overstated because I think if Lance Lynn was having a good year, maybe he wouldn't have been, you know, the purported clubhouse cancer that some people say he was or whatever. Um, but but Baldelli and and Cruz and Scope seems like a really good guy. Uh, I don't know anything about Crone, but those seem like great additions to the to the clubhouse as well. I, like I would be surprised if they didn't have a much better um, atmosphere in there. And and no Dozier, you know, being upset that he wasn't given a contract extension and all of that. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's a great signing. I mean, how can you criticize the signing? It's it's a fantastic signing. He he's highly productive. You're right. They're taking a gamble that he's uh, not going to fall off a cliff, uh, but even if he does, then he becomes sort of to to go back to Car- Carlos Beltran, that type of figure, right? That's kind of who Beltran was right. in 2017 with the Astros. He yeah. wasn't that productive on the field. He was okay. He was playable, but he was like another coach, yeah. right? He was like a, he was like another coach, and obviously a guy that that players look up to. And and so worst case scenario, Cruz is that, but it's hard to see him not being. Still a still a productive player on the field as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, 2015, Torrey Hunter for the Twins right, had right. that same kind of impact. Two more things that I loved about the conference call, and then I do have to ask you before we jet out of here, uh, what's next? What what the Twins yeah. need to do? David Robertson agreed to, a, I guess, a two-year deal with the Phillies today. That takes uh, a name off of my short checklist for the Twins. Um, so, so we'll get to that in a quick second. Um, two more things that I loved from the conference call, or, or from learning more and more about Nelson Cruz. One, uh, we had his agent, Bryce Dixon, on 1500 ESPN uh, recently. And in that interview, he talked about how Cruz is able to sort of defy these aging curves. And and if you're cynical, you'll say, well, he was popped for steroids and now he's producing into his late 30s. You do the math. And I would shoot back with, yeah, but they test now. And if he got popped again, it would be, you know, it would completely change this perception of, you know, his reputation, which he's really worked hard to rebuild. And yeah. he's even said it himself, like it's important to him to prove that that's not him, that he is yeah. more than just a uh, uh, slugger who took drugs and hit bombs. He's he's really worked to correct that perception. And I think that's one of the things that major leaguers look across the diamond and have respect for. But uh, he did, his agent, that is, talked about Cruz's ability to defy that aging curve and when I asked Nelson about it yesterday, he just kind of said, "I I take care of my body. I know it's important to play every day, so so I take care of my body." And then at the end of the season, the numbers are just there. Well, I think that's a little bit of modesty because lots of players are capable of taking care of their bodies, and not many players are capable of hitting 37 home runs with a 350 on base. So, uh, Bryce Dixon is his agent's name, and he said a couple of things that lead into that. You already mentioned it, two of them, Jake. The diet and exercise are, you might be surprised to hear, important to your physical health. But he also mentioned, and I really thought this was interesting, he's uh, sort of fanatical about his sleep. 
in that he'll even take naps. Um, oh, didn't get enough sleep. Okay, well, got to charge the batteries. And uh, massage therapy is apparently important to him, so says uh, his agent. So I, I thought those were kind of interesting things that maybe you would start to pay more attention to if if you, you know, sort of eat, sleep, and breathe baseball and your job is uh, seven days a week, 168 hours a week. If you treat it as that kind of full-time job, those are maybe the kinds of things you're doing to to take care of yourself. Um, I yeah, have... I mean, I, I think that speaks to his professionalism and his intelligence in terms of understanding what he needs to do, like like I was saying earlier, to still be productive at that age. Um, and and it goes in line with, with what we know about him, which is, you know, that he that he is a guy who takes this very seriously and, and has high character. And, and I, I like the fact, to go back to the pets, the PEDs thing, you know, he owned up to that. I, I, I love that. Like, you, you made a mistake, whatever. Like, we all make mistakes. He owned up to it. He, he didn't try to lie about it or, or say that, you know, he took, he took something that he thought was legal. Like, he, he just admitted to it. And, he, and yeah. he even has been open about the whole World Series thing. And, yeah. like, saying, oh, I should have caught that ball, which I, I just, he seems like a really high character guy. We never really know, sure. right? Like, you never know with, with any of these guys. But everything that I've read and, and, I listened to that interview actually with the agent. Um, it, it just uh, everything I've read or listened to suggests that that he is the real deal yeah. when it comes to to, to character and, and clubhouse leadership yeah. and, and all those things. So, Let me ask you, Jake, before we get into how much the Twins should pay Craig Kimbrell over six years um, yes. to get that deal done. You mentioned the uh, 2011 World Series kind of butchered a ball. Team was within a strike of winning the World Series couple of times don't tell thad levine and it was not to be they went on to lose that world series Cruz clearly not the only reason that that happened but uh it does segue into this final point i want to make which is that he butchered a ball in the outfield and has not really been known as a great defensive outfielder rocco baldelli volunteered on the phone call he wasn't asked about it he brought this up on his own that the twins are going to work with Cruz and just you know check in with him how are you feeling does this make sense about working in the outfield this year and my sense is i don't know this for sure but my sense is it's going to be like spring training experiment and then as needed emergency but how do you feel about nelson cruz potentially playing in the outfield one for the potential i guess liability that it means two for the trade off that you'd get to keep his bat in the lineup much more often and three, for what it means for a guy like Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, Jake Cave, or Max Kepler. What what are your thoughts on Nelson Cruz maybe roaming the outfield at Target Field or somewhere else? Um I I I would be a, a, in favor of him starting interleague games when they're in National League parks okay. to, to keep his bat in the lineup. Um but I don't I don't love the idea of him getting consistent playing time in the outfield. Yeah. Uh when when you have Rosario Buxton and Kepler, who are all obviously we know about Buxton, um, and and Rosario and Kepler, I think are for sure above average corner out defensive outfielders. So and, is Jake Cave, I think. And, and Jake and and so is Jake Cave, absolutely. Um, he needs to learn uh, to not dive for balls that are like ten feet in front of him and let them roll to the wall, which he did a couple of times. Well, so uh, did Tory Hunter. Yes, in playoff games, and, and he yes. got over that just fine. Yes, exactly. Every everyone's gonna gonna butcher plays, so that was a 
an unnecessary cheap shot. But <laughs> I'm just I'm just defending my Jake Cave take at this point. Well, you love Jake Cave. I that, that think I, I've heard you say Jake Cave is a better baseball player than Max Kepler at least five times since what, like July of last year. Yes, and I think that we are not giving him his due if we talk about this quote-unquote young, by the way, they're not young anymore, so we can stop using that, but this young trio of Twins outfielders, Rosario, Buxton, Kepler, uh, Jake Cave had the second-best year out of anybody on that list, and the only one better was the team MVP, Eddie Rosario. So I don't know why he's not getting any due as a as a 26-year-old a guy who's maybe just figured it out and coming into his own. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I guess I see Jake Cave as a really good, a really solid fourth outfielder. I am. I, I, don't, I don't see him as uh, an everyday guy, but I could be. I could be totally wrong. I just I still see Kepler as, as having, I guess, a higher ceiling um, than Cave. But okay. but but Cave is certainly he certainly proved it. I mean, he had a really good year at AAA two years ago with the Yankees, which is why they picked him, the Twins traded for him. Yeah, and was outstanding last year. I would just say, a lot of guys come into the come into the big leagues and flash for a couple of months and can't necessarily sustain it. I mean, Kepler had that stretch. I think his rookie year when he was hitting all those bombs, yeah. he had that three home run game in Cleveland. And we were talking about Kepler as like, you know, this future perennial All Star, right. and he still he still might be that. I would just caution you to. You know, put Caves' half season in context. In You're context, right. it, it was very good, and he should be on the twenty-five man roster. But I'm not totally convinced he's an everyday player yet. So here's my: if I were an internet meme, I would be holding a mug of coffee, sitting at a kiosk outside on a college campus, with a table banner that reads, "Nelson Cruz should not play the outfield in 2019." Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I would encourage you to go to the U and just do that and yes. see what happens. <laughs> think about it. I'll um, think about it. I wonder what percentage of the population would get the meta joke, but I <laughs> I guess we'll never know until I try it. Yeah, but but any, but to get back to Cruz in the outfield, I think I think uh, Baldelli has to say that to some extent, right? Like he's not going to sit there in the press conference and say, "Yeah, this guy's not touching a glove ever." Um, he has to say, "Yeah, you know, he's an option in the outfield," and I, I don't know, I. I would be surprised if he's starting games in the outfield in American League parks. Yeah. Personally. Does he have to say that, though? Couldn't he just leave it untouched? I mean, if the media is all assuming it's a DH only thing, and then he surprises us in spring training and says, like, no, he's got a glove, and they play him around a little bit, I think you could go that way rather than this to me sends a little bit of a message to guys like Kepler or even Rosario and Buxton or even uh, the future twin savior Jake Cave and say like, hey, just so you know, this guy is going to get some plate appearances and defensive innings in the outfield. Do you want to earn your keep? You better show us that you deserve you know, your share of those innings as well. I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I thought it was interesting that the manager of the team brings up un, unprompted sort of that, that this guy was going to be an option for them defensively in the outfield. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so your your take, I guess, is much more sinister than I first realized. So your your take oh, is yes. basically that he's sending a message through the media. I am working on a five thoughts column today, Jake. That'll maybe be published by the times pe- people are listening to this um, episode. And I, in that column, I do suggest that the twins should send the transcript 
of the interview to Max Kepler and just to make sure that everyone was paying attention. I, I'm not 100% sure that those players would have been on the conference call, sort of on mute and just listening in, but I think that they should hear the words. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. And and I, I guess I view, I view his comments more as just deference to mm. – a really good player sure. who's about his age, by the way. I know he might be older than Valdelli. I'll look that up. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I view that as just him giving respect to Cruz and not wanting to, in any way, make any comment that could be interpreted as uh, being negative about his defensive abilities. I we'll, we'll find out who's right. I mean, we'll, at the end right. of the season, we'll see if Cruz is actually playing games in the outfield in American League parks. But uh, I would. I would be surprised. I can't believe. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't believe that I missed this on the conference call. But uh, Rocco Baldelli is born in 1981. Nelly Cruz born in 1980. There you go. There you go. That's crazy. That's something that the Twins didn't have last year. Yeah. I wonder if there's ever been. I'm sure there has. But a manager who is younger than one of the the players on his team. Well, who were the elder statesmen on the uh, Red Sox last year? You'd know that better than me. Yeah. Pedroia is not older than Alex Cora. Yeah. Um, That's tough. Who is the oldest guy on that team? Yeah, I don't know. I would have I would have to think about that. But Cora is, what, 37? He's in 30. that same age. You know, the Aaron Boone, Alex Cora. Um, even Tori Lovello is a little bit younger. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of players that immediately jump to mind as having been older than their manager. But I'm, I'm a little surprised that I just discovered this in the midst of recording a podcast. So thank you yeah. for unearthing that. Well, I, I had to provide something at some point. Ah, jeez. So. Uh, uh, but but I love that about Baldelli. I, I, I think that's such a smart signing to sign these young guys who were, you know, played with, with some of the, the players that they're managing, played against some of the players that they're managing. I Like, the, I think one of the knocks, and we've talked about this on past podcasts, but we're both Molitor guys, but one of the knocks against him that's legit, I think, is that he couldn't connect with, with young players, and that's not going to be an issue with, with Rocco. Yeah, so. or if it is, it's kind of a you problem, you know? Right, but, right, exactly. exactly. I uh, I think we'd be remiss if we spend the whole time talking about Nelson Cruz and not get to what's next. Uh, we do only have a couple of minutes here before we got to shut this episode down, but what, in your mind, Jake, constitutes a successful offseason the rest of the way for the Twins? Uh, whether it's Internal movement, that's fine, like a trade or contract extension. Or maybe, I would say more likely, just because it's easier, the path of less friction, uh, signing some free agents to help augment the 25-man roster. What, what success for the rest of the winter in your mind? Yeah, so offensively, I think they're set. I'd be surprised if they made any substantive moves um, in terms of the lineup. But they ha- they have to address the bullpen. Like, I'm thinking about who their bullpen is right now if they didn't add anybody. And you've got May and Rogers uh, at the back of the bullpen. And then Addison Reed's a question mark. Hildenberger, really, I, I like Hildenberger a lot, but he didn't have a good year last year. Um, Moya's a huge question mark. Duffy was up and down, mostly down. Matt McGill, I mean, who knows what you're going to get out of him. Um, yeah, maybe Romero turns into a reliever, but they have a ton of question marks in the bullpen. And, so to me, a really good offseason would be them signing two relievers, one of whom is a, a legitimate stud-type reliever. Okay. 
Do you have Dude, names that no? Do you have names that you like a lot in the bullpen? I joked about Craig Kimbrell earlier. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's a wise move for this team at this point. But uh, are there people that you think we've we've talked about sort of like I'd say middle tier relievers in the past? Yeah. But people are always asking. I get asked this question on an almost daily basis over on my Facebook page. Like uh, cheap plug, Derek Wetmore, MLB. Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. There you go. Is uh, one of the questions is what relievers do you want? And and I I almost think that the Twins see some of these guys as interchangeable. That well, if we if we miss out on this guy, that's fine. There are a few other options that we can go, and they're sort of letting letting things settle and see where first of all where Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to sign. But then beyond that, where's Craig Kimbrell going to sign? And what are some of these relievers looking for in terms of dollars? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're asking me for specific names? Well, you don't have to, but I'm just saying, like, Craig Kimbrell's out there. I'll give you a couple of others, and if there's any well, that jump out, like, you know. I, I like Adovino a lot, Adam okay. Adovino from Colorado. Yeah, because he could strike out Babe Ruth every time. Okay, right, exactly. But also because he put up really good numbers at Tours Field. Oh, he had a really oh, yeah. high strikeout rate. Um, and, you know, Robertson got, what did he get, two, two for, like, 23 or something like that. Yeah, and that included some, you know, I think it was option plus escalator. I'd have to go back and look at the contract. I just saw it flash before we started recording. Yeah, so, I mean, I would be willing to give Adovino something close to what Robertson got for sure Um, because I think think he could provide – I think he could be a back of of the the bullpen, back end uh, type guy. Um, so I would give him a multi-year deal. I would give Zach Britton a two-year deal. Um, Cody Allen, I'm a lot more skeptical on him just because Terry Francona ran him into the ground the past few years. Sure. Um, but but yeah, I think signing one of those two guys, Adovino and uh, uh, Britton, um, and then maybe signing um, you know more of a, a mid, you know, a guy who could be like your fifth or sixth or seventh inning guy. Um, to, to bolster the bullpen would be a good move, but but signing one of Adovino and and Britain, I think, would be a really strong move because they they need arms, they need legit arms in that yeah. bullpen. Because what was the Andrew Miller contract? I, I'm just pulling it up here. Something like two and twenty five, I think. Yeah, two and twenty five with the buyout and appearance incentives. Blah 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 blah. blah. Two twenty five for an elite reliever who sort of fell off with injury problems last year. That's that's expensive and. I think that the Twins, I hope this isn't happening, but like I hope there's not this sticker shock of, oh, geez, guy who's going to pitch 75 innings max is going to make $12.5 million a year. Well, yeah, there are uh, sort of relief aces that do prove worth it. Now, did any of the huge relief aces of last year, do you feel great about those contracts? Maybe not, but I think if you're afraid to overpay for relief help, I do think you limit your potential upside, you know, if, well, I guess we can't say Alan Buzenitz anymore, but I was going to say, if, if you're just counting on the Alan Buzenitzes of the world to, you know, come in and be like, oh, well, this is a young guy that we've been hearing about in the minor leagues for a number of years, and you're expecting six of those guys to emerge and be studs for you, I don't think you're ever going to build the dominant bullpen that some of the great American League teams have and some of the great National League teams had last year. And I guess that would be my concern. So when you say you want to sign two stud, two relievers, at least one stud, I 
fully endorse that. If you're trying to win in 2019, it's going to take two more relief arms and a lot of things to go right in the starting rotation. Um, I maybe not as high on getting a Dallas Keuchel as I would be two reliever arms at, at the even at the price that they're currently flying off the shelf for. Yeah, and it, I mean, and, and we've talked about this in the past, but if you look at how the the playoffs are, how teams construct their bullpens in the playoffs, I mean, starters are just significantly less important in terms of winning in the playoffs now. And so, if you see yourself as a legit contender, and how can you not in the AL Central? Then you need to craft a bullpen that has the ability to to shut teams down starting in the fourth or fifth inning of uh, of playoff games, but, and um, they don't. They don't have that right now. They so. do not. You are correct. And let me ask you then, this will be the parting shot probably, um, yeah. because I know you got to get off and, and get to a diner here in a couple of minutes. But um, with big, the, I'm a big diner guy. Big, big diner big. guy. That's what they said about you. Yeah, um, that's what everybody says about me. It's, so uh, yeah. you, there could be worse things to be said about you in front of and behind your back. So just, I guess, wear that feather in your cap proudly. I will. I will. There it's is gotta the... be something. I've got to. I've got to have something. You know. <laughs> right. you, you need one feather, uh, right. and, and you need right. a cap. I think. Um, yes. There is this like weird uh, back and forth that some days I wake up and I think oh, the Twins are going to go for it because they sign a Nelson Cruz, and other days I think that the Twins are playing this weird patient waiting game where they might not even finish building their what you might consider their postseason roster. That construction might finish in July or in August. Are you of the mind that the Twins should start the season with that roster that they think will carry them to the postseason, or are you a wait-and-see guy? Um, I've just heard that notion floated around enough recently uh, between fans and in the media of, well, it's okay for the Twins to slow play it, and I, I don't really like that approach. I think you leave too much to chance, and if you miss the postseason, then what was the point? But um, would you be okay if they just went in? Maybe they sign one guy, but it's like a Kelvin Herrera or whatever, something like that. Not a not a stud, but another arm in the bullpen, and then just go with this twenty five man as it's currently constructed, and just see what happens uh, up until middle of July. Are, are you are you down with that, or is that too passive for your taste? No, that's that's too passive for my taste because the AL Central is right there for the taking. I don't know if the Indians are going to trade Kluber or Bauer, um, but regardless, the Indians are a flawed team, and it's going to be a race to, what, 88 to 90 wins in the Central, and wins in April, May, and June count just as much as in August and September. So um, and I, that's such a cliché sort of obvious thing to say but i'm gonna pull no. that for the highlight of the podcast yes yeah, right exactly no i think with the state of that division you need to go in day one saying we need to get as many wins as possible we're not going to wait around and see we have a legit chance to win this division so let's put out an opening day roster that's going to compete with cleveland and and then if you want to add even more at the deadline because you're two games up or two games back or whatever that's great but no the whole wait and see thing I totally disagree with that approach, again, given the climate of the AL Central. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and uh, Bryce Harper won't be there in July, I'm just saying. Right, <laughs> yes. Just yeah. Harper, saying. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper is going to look great uh, from that, that right field uh, perch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly into the Twin Cities and buy opening day tickets for uh, you know that, that little right field. What do they call it? That, that little... Uh, out on the plaza, hangs over. 
Oh, yeah. oh the the limestone overhang out in right field. The limestone overhang, yeah, just just so I can stare at Bryce Harper. Yeah, so well, they got the bat and barrel bar over there, and actually, topical. The Twins just announced today, Jake. This is probably what you were teeing me up for. Uh, some renovations to the ballpark out in right field, that gate thirty four, where you'd come in and uh, sit on that big, huge, weird glove and get your picture taken with the bronze TC bear. That yeah. uh, that area of the ballpark apparently is just going to be like opened up. It's going to be a cooler space this year. I saw it under construction uh, a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, I mean they're they're once again the Twins are improving Target Field um, in an off season to make it an even better uh, game day experience. And gosh, uh, I wonder when my commission check is coming for for peddling that information. But you mentioned standing out in right field. The way to upgrade the the views and the sights and everything like that and the fan experience in right field would frankly just be to pluck Bryce Harper from the free agent bin and, and place him in right field. That would do it for me. You, re- you ready for my closing line? Yes, yes. That's All right, I'll, uh, I'll cue it up. I'll make sure your mic's turned on for this first one. And then, uh, yes, we'll say goodbye. They've opened up the right field pavilion. Now they just need to open up the checkbook. Wow. I'm out. <sighs> this has been Jake DePew. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, they signed a couple of guys, but I, I think it leaves plenty to be desired, and we don't care how much money you spent last year. Uh, it's it's 2019 and beyond. And I love spending other people's money. That's right. We are good. In fact, this is the unofficial podcast of spending the twins' money. I think I just uh, I think I just made that up. So, anyways, Jake, uh, it's been great catching up with you, and uh, we'll catch you again before Fort Myers. Which, by the way, somebody asked me. They're like, "Oh, that's a couple months away, right?" Nope. No. Nope. Uh, about five plus weeks. I haven't done the uh, final countdown yet, but it's uh, quickly approaching. So I know it's I know it's cold out there in Boston. I know it's cold here in the Twin Cities and and uh, Minnesota at large. But uh, spring training, green grass, baseball it's it's all coming right up. So we'll check in with you once again before that time comes. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Derek. Cool. Thanks, Jake. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.